I'm Shannon Paradis, your host and founder of Learn, Laugh, Leap. I'll be bringing you content about self-discovery, how people find their purpose, live joyfully, and make an explosive impact on those around them. The podcast at its core is centered around health and wellness, but I want to start by learning from people that light up my life personally, laugh a lot, and then I want to have conversations with people that change the way we dream and empower us to leap forward. I'm so excited to take you on this journey with me. Let's leap in. On today's episode, I'm talking to Miss Chris Cromick, a rock star spin instructor and the co-creator and owner of Beat Boss Indoor Biking, which is a nationally accredited indoor biking certification inspired by road, mountain, and BMX biking styles. She has been instrumental in my life because she got me excited about indoor cycling, and she's one of the main reasons that I went on to become a spin instructor myself. But for everyone else listening, you're going to hear about Chris's uphill battle to find a workout that she could actually do and enjoy while dealing with physical limitations, and then how she turned that newfound passion into a business that puts a truly unique spin on indoor biking that allows you to literally rock your ride. We started from the bottom, now we're here! 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 Welcome to Learn, Laugh, Leap, our very best, Miss Chris Kronick, and I like to call her Chronic. <laughs> Not Chronic. <laughs> no. Thank you, Dr. Dre, circa 93. No, it's chronic. Long oh. name, but a great last name. Thank you. Let's just start from whenever fitness came into your life and then how spin came into play. How how that came into. Well, yeah. you know, my whole life I've been super active. I was a figure skater, actually, oh. up until my late teens, early 20s. Tanya yeah. Harding? Well, or Nancy, Nancy Kerrigan. Kerrigan. <laughs> You're not the bad girl. <laughs> well... That's debatable. But I did that for a long time. I also loved hip hop aerobics. I used to teach oh that gosh. like back in the day. What? Doc Martens, Plaid, 93. <sighs> I actually yes. taught a class at Bally's back in the back room. I did high impact aerobics, you know, the whole thing. Oh and gosh. around my early 20s, I started to get this thing called arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. And it, it turned my very active life into a standstill. Basically, it just went from active to completely immobile. And within a couple of years, I was completely immobile. That was the changing point in my life that kind of put everything to a halt. Was it genetic? It really wasn't. It was one of those things that I started to feel this extreme fatigue and I had no idea why. You know, I went to the doctor and he's like, well, you are you know, engaged, getting married, planning a big wedding. You're in school full time. You're working part time. You're doing all these different clubs. It might have something to do with that and I was mm -hmm. like mm, maybe and it just wasn't going away eventually I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis you know at the time I was 23 I had no idea what was going on with my body it was really scary because I'd never been sick with anything so I had no idea what was going on and nobody knew well and I haven't heard of a 23 year old having rheumatoid arthritis I thought that's something that happens when you're older crash course on arthritis right <laughs> the osteoarthritis is the degenerative what you would think that older people would get rheumatoid is an autoimmune disease so it means that your own body is attacking itself Jeez. so it's attacking the things that are supposed to keep you healthy that's so scary so it really was scary you know of course they start throwing meds at you medications and try this and try that and I would get side effects from that and I would get sick and I started gaining all this weight and it was like the snowball of just crazy. It was scary. You know, I just had gotten married at that time. I had no idea what was happening 
to me. I did not have this in the plan. So you had already gotten married, so you were able to like walk down the aisle. Yeah, but after that, it started to kick in really hard. And I was still in school at the time. I ended up transferring down to the University of Minnesota. I was determined to still get my degree, still do everything Jeez. that I did. I started working in music at that point. I did an internship at an artist management company, and I found my calling, my passion. But you so know. were you doing this bedridden, where you're like in a hospital bed working on homework? No, I was pushing and going and pushing, and every single night, I swear, I was in tears because I was like, how am I supposed to keep this pace up? Jeez. And this is just school. Right. <laughs> you know, what happens when I get out in the world, and I'm, especially in this career in music, where it's there is no time for rest. It was an all-day, all-night kind of a job, and it was very hard to wrap my head around that. And it was really hard to do. And eventually I graduated. I got a job. I started working. And about a year in, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't do it anymore. I mean, I would literally go home. My fingers were swollen. My whole body was inflamed. Jeez. And the doctors were like, we really don't know what to do for this other than give you a certain medication called prednisone. Sorry. If you know anything about prednisone. <laughs> <laughs> It's a blessing and it's a curse. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it has been for me. And I had to take high doses of that, which then put on a whole lot of weight, which mm -hmm. then also caused um, osteonecrosis in my hips. So I needed my first hip replacement at 30. It typically happens in your hip joint because you have a femur. So the blood is cut off to the femur head yes. and it dies. Oh. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I'm taking the only thing that can manage mm -hmm. it. Meanwhile, it's crushing me. And so I had my first hip replacement. I was 30. 30 years old. Four months later, I was on the hospital table getting the second one done because it happened just that fast. Oh, and it was really nice. just kind of a snowball of joint replacements after that. So after that, I had bilateral knees, which means I had two knees done two months apart. Um, after that, it was an ankle I had done, you know, metal in my ankle. So you continued to stay on prednisone despite all of this. I had because to. the arthritis was so bad? I had to. None of the medications out there worked for me. And eventually, after my sixth joint replacement, <laughs> oh my they put me on what's called a biologic. It's an injectable. And they said, well, this may cause this. We all hear the That's... commercials. Well, you know, if there's anything that can happen, <laughs> I kind of laugh because it does happen to me. With all these medications, I would get all the side effects. And with the one injectable that I was on, I got lupus oh a couple gosh. years after that for four years. I was having surgery. I was recovering from surgery. And at this point, I was on disability. I was incapable of working. And I thought that was my life. It's not going to get any better than this. And I had no reason to think that it would because I had taken every single medication out there that I could and nothing worked. So it was March of 2010 where I started just getting deathly sick. It was these fevers that would never go away. I would go to the ER with these fevers every other night. Of course, they gave me medication. I had the side effect and it was one of these things that they couldn't figure out. I was literally in the hospital for six months in and out. Finally, my rheumatologist was like, I think it's lupus. And lupus is such a crazy disease, yet another autoimmune disease where your body is again attacking itself. With lupus, it tends to attack your organs. As a result of my immune system just being completely under attack at this point, I got what's called blood sepsis. That is a um, severe uh, blood infection. It's where your blood is infected. I was in the hospital for so long, I just kind of lost track of everything. Yeah, I'm sure. You're like disoriented, you're on so many drugs. Oh, for sure. 
I wasn't sleeping. I had severe insomnia. I was inflamed beyond belief. Even if I think about it now, I can get choked up about it because it was so scary. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. And eventually, you know, I was at the University of Minnesota and, you know, my husband at the time, you know, they're like, we don't know what else to do for her. I think that you need to prepare yourself for the worst. There was nothing else to do. I was in intensive care until one day a team of doctors walked into my room and they said, you know, this is lupus. This is the underlying cause of this, but you do have this blood sepsis that we still need to treat that drugs are not responding to. And so they started treating me for the lupus immediately. And really it was days that I started getting better. The thing that helped my lupus also, you know, helps and controls my arthritis right now, which I, I baffle everyone at the U right now. They're like, wow, okay, we have no idea why but the thing with lupus though is it acts and it looks like so many different things and it's really kind of this mystery of a disease we call it the great mystery really? of a disease yeah because it just it can look like so many different things and to get a diagnosis is really difficult so scary yeah and so then they figured out what it was and it took days to feel better I, so I, what was better for you in that space better for me was my fever stopped and that was a miracle in itself I would spend not even kidding nights on the raft full of ice and it was just painful as all heck I was freezing that's the stuff that haunts me a little bit yeah nobody but, deserves to go through that I mean you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy no it sounds like a nightmare it you know it tripped me up for a long time but I yeah. I also was like I'm slowly getting better and my mind is coming back to me I was in what they call a brain sepsis fog it was almost an amnesia there were days that I don't remember and my fever started lifting and they said okay I think she's responding to the medication like a week later I was able to go home I had to be carried up my steps I was so weak I lost all my hair I couldn't eat I mean my doctors told me there's not a lot of people that make it out of that and you made it out and that stuck with me yeah so once I I got stronger and it was really like I had therapists come into my home rehab me back to being able to walk up the street I got stronger and stronger and stronger so I finally joined the local gym up the road and that's actually where I discovered indoor cycling and I was like <laughs> oh okay because at this point I have six fake joints I can't run anymore I can't do this can't do that I can do this thing though that they call indoor cycling and it looked like a lot of fun so I started doing that and I just started taking classes so much and eventually I just was like I think I can rock this I think I can do this better than that girl because I you know I have that personality that pushes me which is <laughs> Again, the blessing, blessing curse. curse. Yeah, yeah, it's probably why I ended up where I ended up, but you know. So let's talk about <laughs> the class that you started taking. Yeah. What did that look like compared <laughs> to what you do now? <laughs> it, it was uh, very, very different. Let's just say that. Big box gym, all the lights on, instructor not really into music. Do you remember what kind of music it was? Yeah. It's funny you asked me that because the one class, oh, that's so funny that you asked me that. The one class where I was like, oh my gosh, I need to be out of here now. <laughs> she played The Rose by <laughs> Bette Midler. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, I need to leave and I need to leave now. 
so that's when I started to get into this is after my, you know, after I got out of the hospital, I kind of had a new lease on life with stuff. And I started learning more about this lupus thing. And then that's when I became, it was a couple of years after that I became the Lupus Foundation of Minnesota's ambassador. So no way. I was able to, you know, speak on behalf of people that couldn't and head up conferences and head up walks and raise money. That was cool. It used to be called the Lupus Foundation of Minnesota. If you're interested in learning more, you can visit their website at lupuslinkmn.org, where you can find ways to donate, participate in walks, and view upcoming events to support their cause. Going back to indoor cycling, I did want to ask you, when you showed up at the gym, did you kind of tell people that worked there what was going on with your body to get a recommendation on what you were supposed to do for fitness, or did you just kind of mentally send yourself there? That is so interesting that you asked me that, because when I joined the gym, what came along with it was you get to talk with the personal trainer for free. And I thought, okay, you know, why not? And he took me around the gym and he wanted to do all these exercises with me. And I felt so defeated because I couldn't do any of them. I can't move my wrists the way he wanted me to move. And I couldn't get down on the floor the way he... And I just, I felt like crying. I felt like I was so mad and I felt like crying. Mm -hmm. And I remember he looked at me and he goes, I don't know what to tell you. (sighs) I don't know what you're going to do. Unprofessional. (laughs) A little bit. I remember I went up on the elliptical because it's one of the things that I can do. And I went up there and I was just just fired up for like two hours I was on that thing. I was just (laughs) in my mind. (laughs) Two hours on the elliptical. Well, I mean, just, you know, out of sheer anger and just formulating my plan. I mean, that's just how I am. It's just, I, if you tell me you can't or no, that is fuel for my fire. That's awesome. Not even kidding. I, I fell in love with the indoor cycling because I saw an instructor do it really well at this place. And of course he left immediately. Like as soon as oh, I no. fell in love with him, he had sold out classes and I guess he got picked up by a different place and he was gone. So I was like, Oh, And I remember one day the instructor in the class didn't show up and I was friends with the manager at this point. I've been there for a little bit. I'm making friends, you Mm -hmm. know, you know how it goes. He's like, do you want to get up there and teach? I'm like, I think I could (laughs) because I've been taking classes. Come on, guys. Don't question me. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I get up there and it was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but that's when I also realized I want to get certified. I want to start teaching this. Well, then what it takes ha- some balls to go up <laughs> in front of the class. I mean, maybe you did know some of the people that were already in there. Not really. <laughs> no. No, but I thought I could do it better than this other girl could do it. Yeah. I'm upset. I don't mean to sound conceited <laughs> like that, but, it, you know. It was true. It was hilarious. So that's when I realized, though. So, that I really want to get certified because I want to start teaching this. Well, then <laughs> I was on a routine doctor visit with my rheumatologist. Whenever you get these fun autoimmune diseases, you get a rheumatologist for the rest of your life. Oh. Yay. And on a routine visit, I would go to him once a month because they had to monitor how I was doing. And he's like, listen, your heart is not sounding right. And I go, well, my dad had a heart murmur as a kid. It's probably nothing. He goes, you need to get this checked out. Went back a month later, a couple months later, I think it was. He's like, you need to get this checked out. You have lupus, you know. And I'm like, okay, 
went to a cardiologist <laughs> thinking I just had this little murmur and I remember I was like Charlie Brown listening to Charlie Brown's teacher she walked in the room and everything stopped and she was like wah, wah, wah. I was by myself and she had told me and I swear to god I thought she told me you're gonna die soon and you know have a nice life and she told me that I would need our open heart surgery she is and this needs to happen relatively soon and here's why because your heart valves are opening too much and they're letting too much blood pump out and at any given point it can just stop so she said sooner than later let's get you in for heart surgery <laughs> so I had open heart surgery holy smokes and how long ago was that that was in 2011 oh my gosh 2011 yeah my little heart scar right there Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah, so I have two valves that need to be replaced. Most people usually just need one, of course. I take everything to the extreme, and I had to have two. So what they do is they cut, you know, cut your chest open, open it up, stop your heart. So your heart is technically stopped. You're on life support. They patch up your little valve, and they caught a heart defect in there, a hole in my heart. They patch that up, and <laughs> well, they're in there. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Let's put a little caulk on that. Yeah, exactly. So, you oh know, and, and quite honestly, out of all the surgeries that I've had, that was probably the easiest. Really? Yeah, I was up the, the same day. I was up out of bed. I mean, working out is the recovery, so I was like, okay, I have this. That was also another turning point in all of this, is just realizing, because I, I had I had letters written to everybody, I had a will, I was like, okay, I'm not going to make it through this. I didn't realize that these surgeons at the University of Minnesota, they do this every day. This is like, this is like an oil change to them. Yeah. Where for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm having open heart surgery, you right. know? I, I just, I came out of that with yet another new lease on it, so... Like, okay, I'm going to go get certified. I always have to have a goal to help me through this kind of stuff. Because, yeah. What am I going to do next? And how am I going to crush this? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but in the meantime, I got a, an infection that I had to fight every day. I had to go to the hospital every single day. No way. For a month. Yes, because they had to give me intravenous antibiotics. And, you know, it's just one of those things that happens when you have lupus, your immune system. It's, it's something that I have to live with the rest of my life that... You know, things can go crazy awry. <laughs> it's a daily thing that I have to keep everything kind of juggling and in check and not do too much. So the head of me is like, go, go, go. I want to do everything and I want to do it now. And my body is like, no, Chris, you have to. And it's very humbling. It's a life lesson mm -hmm. that, you know, pretty at a fairly young age, I've had to learn that, you know, I'm to the point right now, I'm like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And I let people know. I just, I'm sorry. I want to, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, people are so understanding now. Yeah. So what if they changed your doctors or you in your diet to kind of help tame these things? Well, that, good question, because I also have celiac disease, which now, is... did that flare up from one of these <laughs> others? Like, how did that come about? No, that was just a random, like, side thing. My aunt had it, and she said, you just might want to get tested for it. This is like 15 years ago, and I thought, okay, I'll get tested for it. I don't think I have it. Went and got tested off the charts. Jeez. Out of control. Probably my whole life. I didn't know any different. Out of everything, it's kind of the least of my concerns. <laughs> don't eat gluten. Mm, well, that's pretty easy these days. 
yeah. you know, with a lot of gluten-free stuff. And quite honestly, I was like, I just would rather stay away from all of that stuff anyway. So it yeah. made it pretty easy. But I also don't eat dairy because I know that dairy tends to make my joints feel icky. It tends to flare me up a little bit. It, it just doesn't feel good in my body. Mm-hmm. So dairy-free and gluten-free. Mm-hmm. So what do you eat? <laughs> <laughs> oh. A lettuce. Yeah. Well, ask me a few years ago when I went on an elimination diet because I started really getting into this whole notion of food and how I feel because I thought if I have celiac, obviously there's a connection there. Mm -hmm. If I feel this way with dairy, obviously there's a connection there. What else? So I started looking into all the other potential allergens that my body could have. So I basically ate nothing for a little bit and I found out what really kind of flared me up and I realized certain foods just don't sit well with me in abundance so if I have them I don't have a lot of them so can you walk me through like typical meals now that I'm I have these heart valves I'm also on blood thinners for the rest of my life so it's called Coumadin or Warfarin and it's something that I go to the doctor every week for to have my levels tested and going to the doctor is a part-time job so I have to eat the same amount of greens every single day that's where it gets tricky having this Coumadin in me because if I don't eat the same amount every day. My levels go down. Warfarin makes it so you don't get blood clot and they don't want a blood clot in my heart. It's something that I have to always manage every single day. What is the amount of vegetables? 16 ounces of broccoli. So no I have... way. <laughs> yeah. Just specifically broccoli? I, I like broccoli because it fills me up, but that's pretty typical or a really big salad with like avocados on it. Is like... there fun food for you or is this all like serious business? Oh, for sure. Okay. Like Trader Joe's granola and their gluten free cupcakes like I'm a carb yes. junkie <laughs> gluten-free bread baked goods hello <laughs> can have that hello hello Trader Joe's is the bomb let's go back into the fitness world yeah. so you get certified yeah and then you start teaching immediately it was a while after because I was quite honest I was terrified because after everything that I've been through I needed to get my strength in my mind I knew what I was up against being in front of people whether you're on a bike pedaling listening to music is still in front of people and there was a studio that I found he gave me my first shot at it he said you know you seem like a natural oh hop up on the bike <laughs> did you have to do a tryout I asked Audition, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I just did what came naturally to me. And I'll tell you, everyone at the studio hated me because they were very outdoor road heavy. They were kind of like the outdoor cyclist. Mm-hmm. And what came naturally to me was riding the beat. That just came naturally to me. I mean, I've worked in music. I come from a musical family. It made sense in my head and they just <laughs> scowled at me. And I for months, I drove home wanting to quit. I would cry. It was defeated again. Eventually, I don't know what clicked, but something happened where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this get me. <laughs> I'm not going to let this get me. And what had happened is all the people that hated those classes, they started coming to my class. So <laughs> the owner of the studio <laughs> said, you can take a Sunday night at 6 p.m. class. It was kind of like to appease me, I think. Well, I rocked that out because all of those people <laughs> came and turned the class into this fun thing. How long did it take to really start getting a following? When I went to the second studio, that's when I really started to gain my voice as an instructor. I threw out the idea to the owner. I said, you know, I I really want to do a hip hop class. And they were like, no, I'm not feeling it. I don't think it'll go over in this area. And I said, 
okay, month later, I really think I should do a hip hop class. And it was my passion. So I figured that would no. about two times. They told me no. Eventually they said, fine, try it. I had six people. I did. I just, I'm relentless that way. (laughs) So my first class, I had six people in there. I just built that little by little doing social media. That's really how I built my classes. Tagging, taking video in class. Mm -hmm. I know like, oh, so many studios frown upon that. That's how I built my brand. Mm -hmm. And it was really amazing because their friends would see this class with all these lights and this ratchet hip hop. And they're like, I want to try that. It is genius. (laughs) No, it's, it honestly is so smart because people can see the building, but they don't know until they step inside or see it virtually what they're going to be getting. Yeah. Your friends can tell you, you got to take this class, but people are like, I'm not going to (laughs) go. In a, in a room and we bike, like, no, no, you gotta, you just try it. And that's how I met you, mm-hmm. isn't it? I have to give a shout out to Rachel because she was the one that said, you know, you have to do this class. And it was a game changer for me. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I, and, <laughs> and I still had in the back of my head that stigma of indoor cycling is scary. I don't even think I'd ever taken a spin class before. My idea of it was probably your first experience of cycling. You're sweating your ass off. The music isn't fun. You just feel like you're getting beaten down. Mm -hmm. But the lights, the mood, the music, it just being loud. And because of the mood lighting and everything, I could kind of be in the back and be in my element element and get out of my own head. Yeah. It was just so unlike anything that I've experienced. I was really excited to do this with you because I wanted to, to share how much it changed my perspective of what Aww. indoor cycling could be. And I think people need to know that too, that there's just not one type of spin and you need to try it, especially your spin, to see what it can do for you. Mm-hmm. And I know for a lot of people that take your class, it's not just about the physical, it's the emotional too. There were a few times where I would cry yeah, you, you put a couple songs in there that, you know, we love the energy in the group and it's fun and it's, but then you put in a couple of the songs that are very meaningful. And then if, if the instructor is going through something meaningful in their life, we talk to our riders, at least I do with my playlist. Like you guys have no idea the emotional stuff that goes into that. They are pictures in time. I dropped some MJ, shout out Rachel, dropped some (laughs) MJ man in the mirror and I'm balling with you. I'm in such connection with my riders and I can see on their faces and they can see on mine and that's when magic happens in Mm -hmm. a class. And it can be a song. It can also be about being in that group setting Mm -hmm. where you feel like you're not alone. Yeah, indoor cycling is interesting because it's one of the things that you can do by yourself and get lost but yet you have this group dynamic with it which is what I love Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what I gravitated towards because working out for me I need to have accountability Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need structure I need a class I need end and start Mm -hmm. otherwise left to my own devices I'm bird watching around the gym oh pretty colors and (laughs) and that's what I love about indoor cycling and then you start to build those relationships with your your riders and your fellow riders and it becomes this kind of family that Mm -hmm. you build and that's amazing. You have to go to Chris's class to really see and feel what it's about, but just to kind of paint the picture, I mentioned before you go in and there's lights and it's dark in the room, and then people will literally get off their bikes, start dancing around, you come (laughs) off, 
you're fist pumping, giving high fives. It's not just about you being in command. It's like, I'm a part of this and we're connected and we're going to have fun while we exercise. It's my passion, man. What happened is I... I started to take all these classes around the cities and that's where I met my now business partner Andrea Austin and I took her class and I was like whoa we first of all I like you <laughs> did you talk to her immediately after I did the and I did and what I loved about her is she was so approachable so many instructors they're Beyonce on stage like I'm leaving the stage she's <laughs> she stayed around and she talked with everybody and I was just like that was amazing we have the same kind of style and I like that and we just became friends organically and naturally and over time it just evolved into this really strong friendship and we started talking about ideas for what we can do with this knowledge that we have and this passion that we have we started off thinking that we wanted to open up a studio and quickly realized that wasn't our calling how long had she been teaching at that point and how long had you been teaching at that point I mean she's a veteran in this industry like 27 years holy smokes yeah she's like she always, it. She, she's always jokes because she's like, I was doing it back when they had leg warmers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But she had been doing it for a long time. We just really connected that way. So at that point, I had been teaching for probably three years. Okay. Even when I met you, it was like two and a half, three years. But what I did... You seem like an old pro. I... <laughs> Shannon, I poured my heart and soul into, again, I couldn't do anything average. I had to be amazing at it because at that studio where I felt so defeated, you know, Mm -hmm. that first studio Mm -hmm. I was at, I was like, okay, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. And what I started to do is I started to research and I studied. There was this blog at the time. I don't know if it still exists. It's called Rachel Burn. And it was amazing because what it did is they had these like undercover people that would go into like Soul Cycle and all these studios and rate the instructors. Oh, oh wow. Right? But they didn't know it. <laughs> right. They didn't know it. And what they would do is they, they'd say all the things that they loved about that instructor. I would meticulously write this stuff down. <gasps> that instructor got off the bike. Ooh, good idea. That instructor did this. That instructor did this. So I, I scoured that thing. Probably hundreds of different write-ups and reviews like that. At that same time, I was formulating what I liked when I saw instructors do. You can't copy another instructor. You have to make it your own. And you're truly authentic. I mean, I didn't just take your class, although your class is my favorite. You definitely have your own style. And it's, it is good to do research, investigate what the other instructors are doing. And I feel like there's not enough information out there about indoor cycling. I mean, if you look at like Cycling 101, how to set up a bike, and then like, what do you do from there? I mean, there really just is minimal information out there. And also like, let's change it up a little bit instructing from start to finish and that's kind of what we hitting did the beat. you know we looked around in the industry and we realized that there there was like this disconnect between that road style and this kind of like a free-for-all party on the bike style there was like this huge gap in between and we thought there's no certification that teaches this how to ride the beat and how to create that party and really how to become an amazing instructor there was no certification out there and we said let's create We would meet every week. We would write. We started with an outline. What started as an outline is now a 135-page manual. We have a 35-page
beach overview. So we've created Beat Boss, which is an indoor biking certification, and it's based on road, mountain, and BMX biking. What we did is we said, okay, everything up till now has just all been road. It's been all inspired by road, but what if you add in these other two biking styles? Mind-blowing, right? <laughs> We do it in class. Okay. We oh do gosh. it. So we're using different planes of motion. So what we realized in all of this and what we wanted to bring to this is a reason why we're doing all those fun presses. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because it's inspired by BMX biking. It's cross training in its core and it's fascial fitness focused. So how many people have you certified? Close to 200, I believe, oh my gosh. right now. And you've been traveling to do it, right? We have. So where all have you gone? <laughs> Every week, it's kind of like where in the world is, you know? <laughs> What determines where you're going to go? Well, we started here in Minnesota. We're Minneapolis-based, and we were fortunate enough to have a studio in Egan with Miss Terry Dale. She gave us a great launching pad to work out Beat Boss. We had a pilot program down there. We really worked through a lot of the kinks, and we're kind of of the mind of let's build the plane as we fly it kind of people. It didn't have to be perfect. It was just like, let's just jump in and do it, mm -hmm. and that stuff will come later. Yeah, and it has. It has come. You know, there's so many times that we were, again, defeated. But it was really like, what is going on here? Like, why isn't this resonating? Why isn't this connecting with people? Like, And we had each other to kind of pull each other out. Like, okay, I get that you're upset. I'm upset too. Okay, what are we going to do tomorrow? And we started reaching out to different studios. And all of a sudden, people started contacting us. And that's when things started to change. We're very active on social media, especially Facebook. And they have these groups on Facebook that are amazing to connect with different instructors. Mm -hmm. And that's been an amazing reason resource for us. So we found a lot of different instructors through that and we started traveling and not only are we so proud of what we offer, the service that we offer, the product that we offer, it's how we deliver it that we're very, very proud of. We are a very positive group and we are positive. So we get a lot of positive feedback throughout the weekend. For instance, it's a 14 hour certification. It's two days. Ooh, I just saw your eyes. <laughs> Yeah, that's what everybody says at the beginning. And then at the end, they're like, we want more. Oh. We, we want you to stay longer and more. It's true because what happens over the course of that weekend is just, it's magic because people come in with fear and a brand new person has different challenges than somebody who's been teaching for 20 years. You know, everybody has a challenge that they're walking into mm -hmm. and that they're walking in with. And, you know, you're learning something new and we're all adults. We're all very successful in what we do. And then we're asking you to try and do something different that they aren't used to. Mm -hmm. So, and we're breaking it down into basic concepts. Well, within our cert weekend, we call it our Beat Boss Boot Camp weekend, we, <laughs> we, we, ha we, we slowly bring them to that, that place. You know, we, we start as a group, and then we start doing one-on-one, -on -one, and then eventually we have them come up in front, in front of the class and <laughs> lead the class. And that is an amazing experience for somebody brand new. I wish I would have had us when I started. Mm -hmm. I really do. I would have saved myself so much time. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the music. Where did kind of your love for hip-hop come from? Ooh, good question. As far as music, I mean, I grew up. My mother was a pianist. You know, I grew up on classic country. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was married to a drummer. I worked in the music business. You know, music is in my blood, really. And what I noticed in indoor cycling was music was really in the background. And I thought, mm-mm. With my classes and with Beat Boss, it really is the foundation of everything we do. So we actually do everything to music. It's not just, we'll play a song. We, we curate around the music. It's to the beat. It's to the beat beat precision and learning what is a eight count and practicing that and cueing to that within that eight count and we learn how to do that and again it's something that I just did naturally I when I first started teaching I would take the verses and the choruses and that's where I would do my things to it mm -hmm. well that's part of beat boss now and it just made sense in my head to do that at the time. So music is everything about my class. The inspiration for music, I'm listening to a commercial and I'm like shazamming it. I'm out. I'm shazam. <laughs> like I'm that girl who's shazamming stuff. And so I'm on Spotify right now. I have close to 600 followers. Whoa. How many playlists do you have? <laughs> close Countless. to 800. Do you repeat playlists? I don't because I am the kind of person that from day to day, even right up until I teach, my playlist changes. I have to vibe it. That's what I call it. I have, I have to vibe my playlist. And if I'm not vibing it, then I can't get into it. I can't rock it. So I could hear something on the radio. Yes, I listen to the radio still. I replay the fun songs that I like, especially if I'm teaching in front of new people. Like I've done Fit Fest here in Minneapolis twice. So I have 50 new riders, brand new, never met them. So I have to play the songs that I know mm -hmm. down to a T. So. so when you say you've done FitFest. You mean you're an instructor. Yeah, so they asked me to teach at FitFest my Sweet. signature hip-hop. So oh my I've gosh. done that twice. The class is called what? Uh, it's usually hip-hop with Chris Kronick. What are some of the go-to songs? Crazy in Love, Beyonce. <laughs> That's right. What do you get out of the classes now? Do you still feel that emotional connection to the music and the people? Absolutely. Like, I think if you didn't, that's when you need to probably step back. If you're having a bad day or you're like, oh, I just don't know I'm going to get the energy to do this because it takes a different kind of energy to teach indoor cycling. It really does over any other method. And there's those days I just don't know how it's going to happen. And those seem to be the crazy days, the, the days that are wow that was <laughs> wasn't expecting that I was not and there it was you know so do you actually have certification days set up that you know are coming up in the future here oh for sure yeah I okay. mean we our, our calendar is booking literally into August right now. Oh my gosh, we just got one for August 4th and 5th. Um, this weekend, I'm going to North Carolina, oh Amplify, the Fly Squad. What's the Fly Squad? Oh my gosh, it's this. So, we're also consultants as well as we do post certification coaching, and we also audition oh. instructors. So we're working with a studio. They hired us as consultants. We came in preconception to a big, beautiful studio. We're ground floor up with Amplify out in North Carolina. And Amplify? Ampli There's an, another L in there. It's like fly. Like, it's so <laughs> fly. And it, what's amazing about this studio, not just the owner and her beautiful heart, this concept is so cool. It's just, I can't wait to show you. It's in the process of being built, but we're going out there this weekend just for coaching. We've done Very our boot cool. camp twice. We've done the Rockstar Roundup, which is the auditions. We audition different instructors. And then we're going back to finish this 
with coaching for a whole weekend. Oh my gosh. And they are opening in, in April. So we're going there this weekend, both Andrea and myself. And then next weekend, I'm in Houston, baby. So fun. Yeah. Are you enjoying the traveling? I am. You know, I have it down to a science now. I'm a little... <laughs> broccoli and all. Broccoli and all. I Travel broccoli. The tra- <laughs> Everyone's, why don't you drink a smoothie? No, I need to eat. Feel the gnashing of the teeth yes. happening. One thing that people should know about Chris, if they haven't seen her, is her teeth are gorgeous. <laughs> how are your teeth so white? <laughs> I can't even tell you how often I get asked this. I, I yeah, just got a do? DM the other day on Instagram. <laughs> what do you use for your teeth? <laughs> Here's the secret. You want to know the secret? Crest white strips from Shh. Sam's Club. Yeah, but how often do you use them? Once a month. Okay. But I leave them on for like an hour. They're very white. So anyway, you need to do Beat Boss to see it, to believe it. Okay, so is there anything else that people should know about the certification itself, what they're going to get out of it? What other key takeaways can we get here? You know, we just did a certification a couple weekends ago in Minneapolis, and that was amazing. And a lot of the people said, you know, I learned so much about myself. I faced a lot of fears. This is what I'm talking about, like the positivity part of it. We take people and we nurture them and we push them a little, but we hold their hand as well. And it's about creating kind of leaders, not Mm -hmm. just indoor cycling instructors, leaders and how to get that voice about them. So like I said, I'm really proud of that aspect of it. I'm excited for you guys. I haven't met Andrea, but you have to have a support person, right? She's my work wife. Well, and like you said, initially starting a business, so hard to fight through when when you're not getting the feedback that you're looking for because you have this dream in your head and you're like we're gonna take it to the top we started from the bottom now we hit (laughs) and and it doesn't always happen overnight so you have to be patient and you need Andrea you guys need each other to beat through that we could never do this on our own and we had no how to it's not like all the other certs out there were going hey just do this and do that like we had to learn everything we had to learn how to go get an LLC we had to learn how to get a lawyer for contracts we had to learn oh. all that legal stuff we had to learn about trademarks from when you started writing some notes on what it would look like to presenting it to the world how long did that take we've been officially beat boss for three years but we were unofficially doing coaching and that kind of stuff before that we're the new kids on the block we're relatively new on the scene and we're innovators in this whole industry that first of all doesn't feel that they need to be certified in the indoor cycling it's it's very for interesting sure. because to become a personal trainer to teach pilates you have to have this certification to do yoga you have to have this cert. with indoor cycling it's kind of like well you're cute. <laughs> you have a lot of friends. Hop up. You're Hop going up on the bike. On there. Exactly. Giddy up, girl. Exactly. And what a lot of our attendees realize is, first of all, this is a lot harder than you make it look. You make it look easy. And I had no idea all of this was involved. <laughs> and... <laughs> But then knowing, okay, so at least I know that it's a lot and I have something to work for. So what would you tell somebody that is looking to start a business? What advice do you have for them? Just jump in and just do it and make the mistakes along the way like we have. Build the plane as you fly. Really, there's no other way. Our first website was atrocious. Really? Oh, yeah. Is it good now? I mean, you know, it's... We did it ourselves. You did? Of course. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. So there, there's another thing we had to learn how to do. Yeah. And it was just her and I in the beginning. And we did a lot. And we didn't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> 
Websites are important to have, but at the end of the day, we're such perfectionists that we actually did hire somebody and we were like, no. Not happy with it? No. Mm -mm. On the advice of a friend, we we changed it and we have a pretty decent one right now. Again, we built it ourselves. But it serves... Exactly. (laughs) Oh, yes. Taking a high note. Yeah. Um, uh, opera, any chance I get. By the way, I do that in my hip hop classes. Opera? I'm not even kidding. Like, I will throw out some Wu Tang and do my opera voice. So, is there anything that's next for you or what you want to get out of Beat Boss? Like, a highest of high lofty goal? Our goal is to have master instructors under us. And right now, that's what we're working on. We have three up and comers. Oh, sweet. Yes. Nice. So, we grow that. Three becomes 13, 13 becomes 30. That's our goal is to go big with Beat Boss Baby. And, you know, we, we have our like high. So in honor of one of my favorite holidays, St. Patty's Day, we're going to test out your knowledge of all things Ireland and Irish. This is not to make you look foolish in any sense. I didn't know the answers to any of these questions. It's just for fun. Okay. So we'll start with four traditional Gaelic sayings. I'll read them out and you have to guess what they mean. Okay. You can also ask me to use them in a sentence. Okay. What's the crack? <laughs> like, what the heck? WTF? Is that what it's it means? close. It means, how are you? Give me the 4 on one Okay. So I would say, hi, Chris. What's the crack? I'm so using that. <laughs> that's, a, that's not an Irish accent, though. It's not. It's kind of Jamaican. Not going to lie. On me Todd. On my Todd. I don't know. On my... On me Todd. <laughs> I'm essentially running this podcast on me, Todd. Like impromptu? On my own. Oh, okay. So Chris teaches a spin class in front of everyone on her Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Christ on a bike. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to use it in a sentence. Did you just see that man streak through the neighborhood? Christ on a bike! Like, oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag hot Jesus. I can't believe what I'm seeing. All right, here's the last one. Okay. Slancha. <laughs> Use it in a sentence. You are killing it with Beat Boss right now. Slancha. <laughs> Way to go. Cheers. Cheers. So here's my end statement. Your smile is infectious. Your mood is enlivening. Your music is invigorating. Your style is provoking. Your character is galvanizing. We need more people like you in this world. And I hope everyone not only had the opportunity to meet you, but to learn from you and exude that same fire that you have. Oh. I think it would serve us well. So congratulations to you and your work for making a dream happen and rocking so hard. You're shaking up the way people view indoor cycling. Thank you. Or as you call it, indoor indoor biking. biking. Yeah, we're changing it all, baby. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. Slancha. What we have learned from Chris Kronick. One, build the plane while you fly. I love that. Make mistakes along the way and just go. Two, find the gaps in an industry you love and help fill that void. Three, if you have lived through something like Chris has with lupus, find a way to help others that are going through the same thing. Four, when someone tells you no or you can't, use that as motivation to do more and find the way to yes, I can. Five, if you haven't tried indoor cycling, find an instructor that brings energy and soul and music you love like Chris did for me. Then sign up for a Beat Boss certification to learn more about indoor biking with road-ready metrics and a party on the bike vibe. Six, try Trader Joe's gluten-free cupcakes. Till next time. DJ Spin in the house.